Well, here at City, the sermon series that I've been preaching through is entitled Heaven's Song. Our worship pastor wrote the worship song that was entitled Heaven's Song that we were singing together about 10 minutes ago. And the idea of Heaven's Song is this, is that we would be able to tune in to what heaven has to sing and heaven has to say. And so what we're going to do this evening is we are going to read together the Gospel of Luke. But the idea is in the Bible is that whenever you read in the Newer Testament, you're supposed to place yourself in the story. In other words, we're called to sing along. Now here's what you need to know because I know a good number of people who are here are people who have never read the Newer Testament before, or maybe you read it so long ago, you don't exactly remember what the Bible has to say. Well, we're getting ready to read in Luke chapter 2, but in Luke chapter 1, the angel comes to Mary and announces the following. And the following is this, is that there's going to be an understanding that God is going to bring forth a child. And that child is going to be great. And here's what else the Bible tells us. Not only will that child be great, but the child is going to be a king, and that king will sit on David's throne. And so here you have Mary. She's engaged. She's not even married yet. And the angel says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a child, and the child's going to be king, and the, and the child's going to sit on David's throne, and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. Well, the problem is, is that at that time, Israel does not have a king. They don't have a king that they would have ever chosen, but the one that is ruling the world is a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. He's not their king. But he is a foreign invader who has come into Israel and is dominating the entire known world. And so that's the backdrop to the story that we're getting ready to read. Because in the Gospel of Luke, we read the story of the birth of Jesus. I'd like for us to read it together. So if you would read it out loud, as I read it out loud, and you will find it on the large screens. So let's read this together. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's read together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first sentence that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. I had an experience later, uh, kind of mid-morning here in Charlottesville. I have a question. How many of you were like me and you were out buying Christmas presents today? Raise your hand, admit it. So here I am out buying Christmas presents and I was hauling something And I was utilizing the church pickup truck. We have an F-250 pickup truck. Now, the story I'm getting ready to tell you is one you don't have to be nervous about because we have no Jesus fish on the pickup truck. There's no sign on the pickup truck that says it has anything to do with City Church at all. So I am at a red light. And when I'm at a red light, a car pulls up next to me. And revs its engine. (laughs) Now, have you ever noticed how someone pulls up next to you, you get the sense that they would like to race? (laughs) Well, I didn't want to look at the person because I was afraid they might recognize me as a pastor. (laughs) Totally true. So here I am in the F-250. They pull up. They're kind of inching. I don't inch at all, but this thing's got a huge motor in it. And I'm going, yeah, buddy. So the light turns green, God gave me permission, and I floored it. (laughs) I did, true story. I'm going to tell you, I have never in all my life seen an SUV move that fast, ever. And as it blew out of the blocks, here's what it said on the back, Maserati. How many of you even knew that Maserati made an SUV? I had no clue at all. So what I did was, hand to God truth, I went home and Googled this SUV, and here are the facts. It has 590 horsepower, and it goes from zero to 60 in 3.7 seconds. (laughs) And I was in an F-250 pickup truck. You know, the reality of it is, I had no clue, but I was going to lose 
there was zero chance I would win that race. Believe me, zero chance. And as I looked at that Maserati blow away, I thought, I wish I was racing someone else. Now, here's what you need to know. The Christmas story of Jesus begins with this phrase. In the days when Caesar Augustus ruled the entire world, everyone made a move to go to their hometown because he said so. And it was under his authority and his power that a little baby is born into a manger and the angel had told the baby's mother that your child is going to be king of Israel. Believe me, Mary had no clue how it would ever take place. She didn't have a chance in the world of knowing that Jesus or how Jesus would become what God had called him to be. Because the Bible tells us this is the birth narrative of the baby that would be king of Israel. Now as I read it, you tell me if you think this sounds like the birth narrative of a baby who's born to be king. Mary wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the guest room. Does that sound like the birth of a king to you? Thank you, young man. Good job. It doesn't sound anything like the birth of a king. But here's what you need to know. That God had announced that this child would become king. And the king that was ruling and reigning was Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Now, if you know like I do, and you've read the story, in this story, if it were not for the angels, this story would seem rather wimpish. But the Bible tells us that angels suddenly break open the night sky and angels cheer down to a group of shepherds and say, there's a baby that's been born. We just read it. You've got to go to Bethlehem. You've got to go check it out because shepherds, you'll never believe it. The king that is God's king that has entered the world is laying in a manger just where you put your babies. And the Bible say that the shepherds go in, and they see the baby lying in a manger, and they rejoice because God's son has been laying in a manger just like where they put their newborn babies. You see, when you listen to the narrative, it does not sound like the birth of a king at all. It sounds like the birth of a really poor child, and it is. And the only thing that really makes it huge or it makes it massive or it makes the story seem like there's power behind it is because of the angels. If it weren't for the angels, the story would seem like it was defeated from the get-go. But the Bible tells us the angels were there. But then the Bible also tells us this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You see this phrase right here? 
when the angels left them, I would like to advise God. I would like to be an armchair quarterback for God. And when I read this story, and it happens to me every year, when I read this story, I feel like saying to God, that was the thing that you should have changed. Instead of the angels leaving, the angels should have hung around. How many of you have ever talked to the television before? And you're sitting there watching a football game. You're watching the Green Bay Packers win again. And you're so excited about that. And you're sitting there and you're talking to the television. And you're talking to the coach. And you're explaining to the coach the moves, the coach, and the plays the coach ought to call. That's how I read the Newer Testament a lot. I read the Newer Testament and I want to give God some advice. And here's my advice. God, the way you should write that story is pretty simple. The baby in a manger is fine. But what you really want to rewrite is the part where the angels leave. You ought to leave them there. Because somehow when you read about the angels, it looks like this child might have a chance. But that's not how God writes it. God writes the story that the baby is laying in a manger and after he is placed there, some angels appear to some shepherds who are the poorest of the poor. They're the sidelined of society and the angels pick out them and say, look, you've got to go check out the birth of this child. This child is God's son. He's the Messiah. He has stepped into the world. And it says this, and when the angels left, the shepherds go and they find the child. An amazing story. I would have rewritten it, but God doesn't. You see, the same way I sat at that red light in the 250 F-250 truck, and next to me was a Maserati. Anyone who had any brains would have put money on the Maserati, not the Ford F-250, even me, with me praying and God's permission to race. You see, God has a way of moving in this world where it looks like his plan is going to fail. But it doesn't. The angels leave. I think they should have stayed, but they didn't. The angels exit stage right. And now you have a mother and a baby and this earthly father and a bunch of shepherds. And God says, this child will be king. And when I place him on the throne of David, he's going to rule and reign forever. Now here at City, in every sermon that's preached, we talk about the following, putting feet to your faith. You see, this is a great story, and for 2,000 years, people have read this story, but how do we put feet to our faith when it comes to looking at this story? Well, the Scriptures tell us. Here's what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say, but Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. So what does it look like when we look at the story of the birth of Jesus? How do I put feet to my faith when I read this ancient story? Well, Jesus' mother treasured up and pondered while the shepherds ran around and were really excited and they were glorifying and praising. I have a question for all of us. 
How many of you sitting here are an introvert? Now, this is going to be difficult because if you're an introvert, you won't want to do what I'm asking you to do. But how many of you are an introvert? Raise your hand. Wasn't that painful? Put your hand down. How many of you are extroverts? Raise both hands. There we go. You know what's incredible about the birth of Jesus? It's almost as though you've got an introvert and a bunch of extroverts. You've got those that are running around and they're glorifying and they're praising and they're cheering that God's son is now in the world. And then you've got Mary. And she's pondering. She's treasuring. Well, if I'm going to put feet to my faith, what does it mean to treasure and to ponder? Because most of us know what, what it means to glorify and praise. What, what does it mean to treasure and to ponder? To treasure or to treasure up is a Greek word that means to keep something safe that is of value. To keep something safe that is of value. That same word is used later in the Newer Testament where someone is guarded in prison. She treasured. And then the Bible says she pondered. That Greek word is two words that are brought together. And when you bring those words together, it almost means as though you're trying to line things up and to make sense of them. And the verb tense with pondered means that she doesn't do it once. She does it over and over and over again where she's trying to line things up and make sense of the angel that had come to her nine months earlier and announced the birth of her son and that he would be king and he would sit on David's throne and now here she is with her baby in a manger. And the shepherds are cheering and praising but she is treasuring, she's guarding closely what God has spoken to her about this child. And she's pondering, not once, but multiple times. She's lining up what she's seen and what the angel has announced to her about this child. I have a prayer and it's simple. My prayer is this is that every one of us in this auditorium that we turn into a sanctuary every Sunday morning. My prayer is, is that maybe this is the first time you've ever really heard this story. Maybe you've read it hundreds of times. But my prayer for all of us is that this year we would treasure and we would ponder. We would see the value of this story and the birth of Jesus into this world and then we would repeatedly look at our lives and look at the story of the birth of Jesus and try to somehow, some way, through faith in him, to line it up. Well, the context of our story started here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, and the whole world moved. And a little baby was born. Here's what I want to tell you. No one but no one would have ever in a million years put their money on Jesus that he would outlast, outlive, and become a greater king than Caesar Augustus. 
That's just like sitting at the starting line with an F-250 and a Maserati right next to it. Caesar's definitely the Maserati. He has conquered the entire known world. He's brought the Roman Empire together. He's brought in Pax Romana, that moment of peace. And there he sits as the empire and he's over it all. And they've begun to worship him. He's now being declared as divine. But there's a little baby that was born while he was king. And God announced, this child will become king of kings and lord of lords. And his kingdom will never, ever end. You know what? We sit here 2,000 years later around the name of Jesus around the name of Jesus and we worship him and we remember again, we treasure and we ponder the story. And the name of Caesar is what we call our dogs. Isn't that amazing? We call our dogs Caesar and we call Jesus King of Kings, Lord of Lords, because he is. I'm gonna ask that as we close out our time, that you would close your eyes just for a moment. You would open up your heart. God, I'm asking in my own heart, in my own life, that as I revisit this story again, that it would come alive to me in a fresh and a new way. I'm praying over all of us in this auditorium that has again become a sanctuary, that our hearts would be open to you, and that you would speak to us and that somehow again this ancient story would come alive to where Jesus Christ would be born not just in a stable but through faith be born in our hearts and we pray these things and we believe for them now in Christ's name in Jesus name